A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra Podcast in association with Vaux Brewery. On the pitch, things have definitely improved of late and we head into Saturday's game with top of the table Wickham with two wins and three and unbeaten in five. Off the pitch, well, it really does depend which side of the fence that you live on. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone's actually stuck on it though. Everyone's got a side at the moment. Back to the actual football though, we've got Phil, who's with us today, who is the match commentator for the three countries, BBC, and also runs Ring in the Blues podcast, um, all about Wickham. So we'll be discussing Wickham with yourself, Phil, but first and foremost, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm very well indeed, yeah. I'm looking forward to the long trip to Sunderland on Saturday. Oh, it's a trip. Yeah, I've done it the other way around and I know it's a journey, mate. So uh, I, I don't envy you, I'll be honest with you. But it's better than Gillingham, right? Always, always, always better, better than Gillingham. Gillingham. <laughs> um, first and foremost... I think I and probably many others had Wickham not to finish near the bottom of the league, but I think we had yet to finish, you know, mid-table this season. Yet we're in 2020, we're in January, and there's actually a bit of a gap at the top of the table. So just how have Wickham managed to become this season's surprise package? (laughs) Well, it's a question we get asked regularly uh, down in South Bucks, and um, it's down to Ainsworth, really. He's he's done a phenomenal job. He's the longest-serving manager in the top four divisions and a great advert for sticking with a manager, I think. And, you know, it's been brilliant to watch him evolve as a, as a manager and as a leader. Um, and I think this season is, is the fruition of all of that, really. Everyone in the squad um, really just buys into his, his ethos and the unity and the team spirit of the team at Wickham is, is like nothing I've ever really seen anywhere else, really. They they are a band of brothers and um, they they kind of, they run, they run through brick walls to use the cliche for Ainsworth, but they do it for each other as well. And he's got this really great system at Wickham where he's got his generals, his four senior players that run the dressing room, um, and then it allows him to concentrate on all the other issues. Um, and yeah, they just he plays to the strengths of what he's got. You know, he, he hasn't got many cards that he can lay on the table, but what he has got, he really makes sure he gets everything out of it, really. And um, and that's why why they're up there, I suppose. I can't really pinpoint too many sort of exact reasons apart from the unity and the spirit. And also, I think the element of surprise has really helped as well because you touched on it on your intro. No one expected Wickham to be up there, uh, and that's me included, along with pretty much all of the other Wickham fans as well. We're all a little bit surprised uh, and currently absolutely loving it, I have to say. It's funny you mentioned that he's a longer-serving manager in, I think, League One and probably in a few seasons above. And 
When you compare how long Gareth Ainsworth has been at Wickham, 107 Sunderland managers have passed through the door approximately <laughs> um, since Gareth Ainsworth first took over. But I've, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of our current manager at all. And I'd be more than happy to see the back of him. Um, and I was probably similar to the last one as well, whether that's because I'm a Sunderland fan and I sometimes get used to that. I don't really know. But I mean, in terms of sticking to a manager, at what point, say, say for example, someone stick with Phil Parkinson and the people that say stick with him um, end up being right. At what point did you start seeing like the fruits of sticking with a manager such as Gareth Ainsworth? When did that start really coming to the fore and you thought, you know what, I'm really pleased we stuck with him the whole way through this? I think with, with Gareth, it was when he'd had enough time and enough windows to get his sort of people in the building to work with and he could really sort of build the team in his image. Um, you know, like being a reporter, um, when Wickham were really bad and when they nearly fell out of the league and nearly went out of business, yeah. um, Ainsworth had a terrible record. He had a terrible run in the second half of the season and Wickham didn't have any money. Even if they wanted to fire him, they couldn't do it. They couldn't afford to pay him up. So uh, they had to stick by him. They had no choice. Um, but equally, at the time as a reporter, you felt conflicted because I was aware of everything that he was having to deal with. You know what what little money he had. It wasn't just players. You know they they couldn't afford to pay the yoga instructor. And then three weeks <laughs> later, he's lost three key players to, to muscle injuries. Um, and, and it's things like that. You think, wow, this guy is really really up against it. On top of having to learn to be a manager, you know, and all of those things. And he came through that, and then he started to build the team in his own image and start to get the people he wanted. He got rid of the bad apples and that took a few windows for him because uh, like I say, they couldn't just pay people up and ship them on. Um, and that takes time. And I think that takes time, whatever club you're at, if you've got an embarrassment of riches like Sunderland or if you're Little Wickham, you know, you, you can't really afford to buy their own nets for the training ground. You know, Gareth has been doing that as well uh, in the past. Um, it's that sort of thing. And you think, well, actually, how many other managers over the years have slipped through the net here where fans have sort of put pressure on the board and, and not allowed a manager the time and flexibility to get his own people in. I mean, obviously, sometimes it's just not working and, and the personalities don't work out. But I think always with Gaz, that you knew that he was a, a good person, a solid person uh, that you'd want to go for a beer with, which I think is a really good indicator of a lot of managers. Um, and then after that, you sort of think, well, OK, he's developing here. And he wasn't coming out and, and, and fobbing fans off and, and making excuses. He took a lot of personal responsibility. Um, and I think fans really, really respected that. Um, but the playoff season, when we got to the playoff final, the season after we nearly got relegated from the league, um, about two months into that season, I was then like, he's onto something here. He's cracked it. He's got a system. He's got, this, he's got his people in. And we're starting to see a real identity for this football club. And it's, it's got long hair. Uh, and we love it. And that's where it really kind of came to the fore. Um, and yeah, and I, I dread to think where Wickham would be had they fired in the season before. When it comes to identity and stuff like that, and I think there'll be loads of Sunderland fans who, when you said you stamped the identity, a lot of people will be saying, yep, bunch of dirty buggers, that long ball football team. And I've noticed, because obviously I've kept an eye on League One because we've been in it for a while. A lot of people do... And mainly from our own experiences as well, especially that season, a lot of people have looked at Wickham as um, they have a certain style. I don't know how I would I would put it down from my experience. And a lot of people seem to take credit away, not just Sunderland fans. I've seen loads of League One clubs 
have come out and said, oh, Wickham are this, that and the other. But, um, you know, people do often criticise that style of play. But what would you say to those people that do criticise the style of play, apart from the fact of, well, we're top of the league and you are not? Well, yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, it's not just Sunderland. Sunderland obviously came to the fore when, when Gaz got linked to the job up there. Um, it's, it's all clubs, basically. And I say all clubs, it's all clubs that we beat. Um, especially the bigger clubs that we beat. Uh, that seems to be a real problem for them. Um, I've seen Wickham lose to loads of teams and, and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, I love that Wickham. It's a beautiful ground, isn't it? A great club and everything else. When they've just won 3-0 or whatever, everyone can do that. <laughs> when you start beating teams, yeah. they will find ways to criticise and do whatever. And, and Wickham, it's an obvious target because it's the long ball this, so or I can't watch that every week. Well, you don't have to watch it every week. And also, there is a massive snobbery in football about um, about the style of play. Um, I've checked the laws of the game. You get three points for a 1 0 win that's come off Akifem was in the 94th minute from a long ball. Uh, as the same if you take someone apart 5 0 and play like 1970s Brazil. I've checked the laws. It's three points for a win. That's all it is. It um, definitely is. I tell you what, I've seen some of the results coming out of, out of Sunderland, for example, and Pompey in the early stages of the season. And I saw Pompey try and play some good football against Wickham and got beat 1-0. And I was looking at those fans afterwards and I was like, they don't look very happy to me. Um, I think it's a results <laughs> business, you know. And the yeah, Wickham fans, yeah, they don't worry about long ball football. They just love the results and the goals. It's exciting. The best way to kind of compare it, I suppose, from a Sunderland perspective is when we were in the Premiership and we, we played under Sam Allardyce. And I think I'll openly hold my hands up that the Sam Allardyce days were some of the best football, the nicest football we, we'd ever played and the most confident I felt going into games because we'd compete uh, since probably like the Peter Reid days. And yet when we had Sam Allardyce and then I think it was Everton got him just after that. No, it was Palace got him and then Everton got him and Everton... There, were, there was outcries that they got Sam Allardyce because it just wasn't the way Everton played. And I really like Everton as a club. But when we had Allardyce and we were like classed as a, should we say, a percentage-based um, sort of team, um, or long ball was probably more suited. I loved that time when we played under us. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think it was the best football we've probably played in the past decade and probably the most positive I've felt about it. So sometimes I think there is something about it like... I openly will admit I was frustrated with both the Wickham away games this year um, in terms of the style of play. But to be honest with you, had we won 1-0, yeah, I wouldn't really care. Um, and I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just about winning games and finding a way to win the games. And also, you know, when, when you're a big club in League One, like you, you, you as fans play a big part in the match day experience, even away from home, because there's so many of you. Yeah. And it becomes, we can do it away from home really, really well. They'll quieten the home crowd down. And that creates panic and stuff on the pitch and it affects what goes on on the pitch. And, and, and Gaz is really aware of this. Um, so frustrating you lot is part of the game plan as well. You know, it kind of, it, it really helps him achieve what he needs to do because that frustration from the, from the terraces gets down onto the pitch and then you see what happens. Um, it's all part of the game plan. And do you know what? If you've only got certain things at your disposal you'll do everything you can with them to get a result and you know Wickham you can call it a Nissan Micro we're not going to put a big spoiler on it a massive tyres it'll look ridiculous we'll just do what we can what we've got and make <laughs> it run as efficiently as possible uh, and get the results and so far so good um, you know like we said earlier on no one expected Wickham to be up there doing what they're doing and the goal this season was to, to, to improve on last season which was staying up on the final day of the season finishing 17th um, I think 52 points was the target coming into the season and, and Wickham were on 44 
uh, in the first week of January. So they're doing exceptionally well. But obviously now the some of the fans are now looking and thinking, well, maybe we can get into the championship. And that's great. Football fans can dream. That's what we're all here for, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And it's you mentioned Wickham and, and quieting down the, the home fans. The the one game that I, I didn't manage to get to, but I did actually watch the full game. I was in Poland last year when you played us. And I think at the time we were doing all right. I think if memory serves me right, it was the end of November. Um, we weren't doing too badly at home. I think we were unbeaten. I think we only lost one sort of all season. Um, and we, we were doing well. We were occasionally putting teams away sort of three and four by that point. Um, but it was Wickham with the first side that really came to the stadium and frustrated the home fans and come away with a 1-1 draw. And I, I don't know whether you have luck, but if you look from the game that we played against you in late November... Um, which Madger got the equaliser in the 85th minute. And I think a lot of things happened when Madger left. But there was a lot of games after that where teams set up very, very similar to the way Wickham did. And there was a lot of 1-1 draws at the stadium, like in the second half of the season compared to the first half of the season. And Wickham were one of the first teams that really came and we kind of went, ah, we, we got nullified a bit there. And we didn't quite know how it happened. And it seems that you've you've continued to do it in every game against us. But that is a bit of a worry going into Saturday for me. Do you think he'll do the same sort of thing? I think, it, well, you know, he probably he probably will do. And I think, you know, teams you'd think by now would be aware of what's going on and, and be looking at ways to combat it. Because, yeah. um, you know, that that's what would happen. But that, that away day at Sunderland for Wickham fans was amazing because, you know, you've got to, you've got to appreciate a lot of Wickham fans have grown up watching them play you know, in non-league, sort of even below the conference level, and I, I count myself in that in that group as well. So to go to this to a place like the Stadium of Light was phenomenal for those Wickham fans and for the team. And I think that day was perfect for Gareth Ainsworth because heading the hotel next to the stadium, and there's a short walkway, isn't there? You cross, and there's a back door into the Stadium of Light. And Gareth okay. Ainsworth that day insisted that Wickham would not skulk in through the back door. He walked them round to the front and walked them through the front entrance at Sunderland saying, my team have earned the right to play Sunderland in the league. They're coming in through the front door. And they continued that attitude onto the pitch. And I was at that 1-1 draw. And Wickham, you know, they, they deserved that point. Um, 100% deserved that point that day. Yeah, and yeah, I think they did nullify Sunderland. But there was a certain air of like, well, it's just Wickham at home. This shouldn't really be a problem. Um, and if you look at it off the pitch, the the disparity in, in the money involved from, in both squads, then a betting man would have backed that as a home win all day long. Um, but Wickham's game plan w- was executed to perfection. Um, what does really surprise me is they've been able to do it twice again since then. Um, I think Saturday will be really, really interesting to see if Phil Parkinson has got his head around it. <laughs> I don't have much trust in Phil Parkinson, but hopefully he does. Um, contrasting fortunes in terms of recent results, um, actually, Phil Parkinson's getting a bit egg on my face. He's won two in the last three, unbeaten in five, um, against relatively decent teams. And, you know, Lincoln, I thought, were quite impressive, although they're not that high up. Um, but Fleetwood and Doncaster, both relatively well-drilled sides. So I suppose that is that is a positive. But looking at Wickham's, obviously, you're top of the league. There is a gap there, which we kind of mentioned before. But that gap was was quite huge at a point. It's It's gone down to four points from third. Um, so there's been a bit of a blip recently. Um, you got a draw with Ipswich, who are also on a fairly bad run of form. But then before that, there was three defeats in a row. Coventry at home, 4-1. Portsmouth away, 2-0. And Oxford um, away, 1-0 as well. But you did have 10 men for that as well. Um, 
a bit of a blip, I think you could say, because it's three results are just three results. And over the course of the season, you know, if you recover from that, it won't really matter. But is there a reason that there's been a bit of a dip in form or is, is it just the way football is? I think the, the way the fixtures fall over Christmas, obviously every team has this problem. Um, the games come thick and fast. Wickham squad is is, is very small. Yeah. Um, they don't have a huge uh, array of players to, to pick and choose and, and rotate from. Um, that Saturday before Christmas was pretty vital. I think Oxford are, are probably the best team I've seen in, in the division. They are the very good, inside. Yeah. I think they're, they're very exciting how they play the ball. Um, but what was really um, uh, exceptional from them on the day was that they played Wickham at their own game to a large extent. Mm. Um, they knew what was coming. They knew the physical threat. Uh, they knew the slowing the game down. And, and they, they kind of took Wickham on at their own game a little bit and did very, very well at it. Um, you know, they got Akinfen was sent off, um, which was, you know, fair enough. You know, it happens. And um, every team will do it. I mean, Oxford did it, to, did it brilliantly that day. And that was a big that was a big turning point in the game. Wickham really won nil down at that point, but they came out in the second half with ten men and, and had a go at them. And were unlucky not to nick a point, um, which would have been phenomenal with ten men away at Oxford. Um, Pompey again sort of rolled their sleeves up and and realised they had to win the fight, the physical battle to earn the right to be out beat Wickham. Um, and yeah, I think that's now I think could be Wickham's undoing in this second half of the season. Now is that because they've been up there. Um, for a prolonged period of time. I think people have now had to finally start to take them a bit more seriously and say, actually, there's more to this team than Akin Fenwa. Um, how do we go about beating this side? Um, and, and looking at it a bit more closely, I think once you're top of the league, you're there to be shot at and you're a bit of a scalp, which sounds a bit ridiculous when it's Little Wickham. But um, that's what they're going to have to put up with in the second half of the season now. They, they, they've always played the underdog card. and They've always been, oh, we haven't got anything, we've got no money, we know... This is this is how it is, um, but you can't really play that card when it's seven points clear at the top of League One in December. Um, so it's it's a different situation for them to deal with, and it'll be interesting to see how it happens. I mean, if they can have a bit of luck and and keep injuries to a minimum, then you know they're going to have a shot because they've got momentum with them, even off the back of these defeats. They've only lost four games all season in the league, which is incredible, really. Um, Coventry, the only team I've seen take Wickham apart really this season. And, and um, I'm not making excuses for Wickham here because they were really poor against Coventry. But Coventry, because of the Berry situation, they didn't have a game on Boxing Day. So they had a bit of maybe a bit of extra rest. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. They scored very early on in the game, which would suggest that tiredness shouldn't have been an issue with that. But they were excellent on the day, and, and Wickham just didn't turn up. Um, and I think they played a very similar formation to what Phil Parkinson has been playing in recent games. It'd be interesting to see how that pans out on Saturday and whether Rainsworth has learned anything from that Coventry defeat. And, and as much as I've criticised that um, that formation, which just occasionally can look like three at the back, occasionally can look like eight at the back, it has actually kind of worked the past few games. But talking of Phil Parkinson, you, you might have noticed me myself, I'm not the hugest fan of Phil Parkinson and I think a lot of Sunderland fans weren't and maybe hopefully hopefully very much so um he proves me and, and many others wrong by putting what is a decent run together at the moment into a, a level of promotion form but the two people that were heavily linked with the job for us um as far as we were aware were probably two people that i don't think people were overly excited about parkinson being one of them but ainsworth was another one and you've spoke really really passionately about exactly what gareth ainsworth brings um we played you just before 
Um, we you could have been on either side, I think we thought at the time. But was there any point that you thought you would actually lose Gareth Ainsworth to Sunderland? Hundred percent. I think had he been offered the job, I think he would have taken it because you know he's he's an ambitious guy. You know, yeah. and Sunderland is an absolutely massive club. It's a sleeping giant, um, and. You know, I, I know Gaz enough well well enough to be able to say that he would have fancied taking that job on uh, and, and meeting the challenges of it. Um, so, yeah, Wickham fans, it's, it's a constant threat for Wickham now because when you're top of the league and you've got teams beneath you or uh, above in the division above not doing well, um, you think, well, he's in the shot window now. Um, I think a lot of the problems he has um, are this sort of, you know, this negative attitude towards his style of play and everything else. And I have to say, again, it's, it's just very lazy because, you know, people don't understand the situation he has to work under. I'd be very excited to see Gareth Ainsworth working at a club with big resources and things at his disposal to see what he could do with that. Um, I'd be really interested to see how that would pan out. He's a superb man manager. And, you know, that that doesn't come down to style of football. He just gets the very, very best out of people. So, you know, look at someone at your club, Aidan McGeady. I look at him and think he's an absolutely fabulous footballer. Even after I saw him play for Sunderland at Adams Park this season where he just didn't turn up. Yeah, This guy should be destroying teams in League One. And I'm looking at him and thinking the amount of money he's earning, the level he's played at, the ability he's got. He didn't turn up until the 89th minute at Adams Park. And I was like, why isn't the manager not able to harness this talent and get the very best out of it? And and that's what Gareth Ainsworth does. And that's that's why I found it quite baffling where a lot of Sunderland fans are like, we don't want that bloke managing our club. And I'm like, you'd be lucky to have him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd get the very best out of his squad. Um, and if you don't want to play for him, he gets rid of you. That's it, you're gone. And I think he's big enough to be able to do it. And he commands the respect to the dressing room. So we love Phil Parkinson at Wickham because he, t- he got the job. So I'm sure he'll get a very warm <laughs> round of applause from the Wickham fans. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about uh, about McGeady as well because it's actually gone the opposite way with Parkinson. He's now ousted him out of the side and he's on the transfer list for whatever reason it may be. We don't really know. Um, and ev- literally everyone has massively differing opinions on the McGeady situation. Mine personally is that he's the best player in the league on his day. You, you work out what's wrong with him and you try and make sure that he's got place at least in the squad somewhere. But hey, I'm not Phil Parkinson. Um, if, he, if Ainsworth had gone to Sunderland... And I'm saying this from a perspective of knowing that heroes of mine have gotten to other places um, for specific reasons, whatever it may be, and I've kind of gone against them. But that's probably because I'm biased towards Sunderland and I think the world revolves around Sunderland, which of course it does. Um, but had he gone <laughs> to Sunderland, would the general consensus around Ainsworth and probably his quite legendary status when he leaves, would that change within, Would that have changed within the fan base if he'd went? No, not at all. Um, with, I think... The vast, vast majority of the fan base would have sent him on his way with our very best wishes. And I think a lot of fans would have perhaps gone after the Wickham result on a Saturday, would have looked for Sunderland. It's that it's that strong. It really is. Um, you know, the forerunner to this is Martin O'Neill. When he left Wickham Wanderers after the fantastic job he did there, I still do it to this day. Wherever Martin O'Neill pops up, I still look at him as one of our own. Yeah. You know, we made Martin O'Neill a manager. Um and the same would apply to Gareth Ainsworth. Wherever he goes after Wickham, whatever he does, um, Wickham fans will always look upon him fondly and and say he's one of us. He's come from Wickham, and you know that doesn't matter what club he is. Uh, maybe if he goes to Colchester, he might he might dip down a few of our estimations, but I can't see that happening. But you never know. Um, he's he's been so um, dignified in his time at Wickham, and he's never 
sods off the fan base and, and said, oh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. He's not done a Nathan Jones at Luton where he says it will take something like Barcelona for me to leave. And then a month later, he's at Stoke. He's not, he's not been like that. He's always, you know, he never denied the fact he was talking to other clubs when it was happening earlier this season. And, and fans respect that, you know. He's an ambitious guy. And I think he's one of those rare things in football where he, he speaks with his heart and the fans respect it. And, and I think, yeah, if he was to go, we'd still love him. It doesn't matter. Do you think you need to get promoted to keep hold of him? Or do you think that you've got a chance of losing him even if you do? Um, if we go up, then I, there has to be a long queue of clubs, I think, looking at him. Because yeah. um, uh, it'd just be just the most phenomenal achievement. And I really, really hope this, if Wickham do go up, the story of just how amazing a job he's done really comes to the fore um, and what he has to put up with at Wickham. Um and if people finally understand that and they'll think, actually, yeah, there's more to this than sticking it up to the big man here. This is this is someone who runs the club from top to bottom and has really dragged them up. You know, Wickham was essentially a non-league club. And, you know, to get them where he has done, even at this stage, is a phenomenal achievement. To get them up, if I was a chairman in the championship at a bigger club, then he'd be definitely on my shortlist. And um, there's certain other clubs, you know, QPR, they're doing really well under Warburton at the moment, which again, Wickham fans are quite relieved about because QPR fans love Gaz. Um, I think Blackburn Rovers is the club we really worry about because that's the team that, that Gareth supports. And, you know, this, if they start to have a bit of a wobble, um, then they could look at Ainsworth and think that could be the man for us. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, I think in a way, you know, as, a, as a fan of the club, I want him to stay for as long as possible. But as a reporter, he's, he's got to know there's this part of me that wants him to go and, and onto a bigger stage and achieve really, really well because he, because I think personally, I think he deserves it. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite, I'm, I'm quite conflicted to be honest. So, but yeah, I think he'll, he'll continue to rise. He's that sort of character. Talking about the the team itself, um, we've mentioned Akinfenwa because it feels like Akinfen was the one that gets mentioned every single time. Um, and to be honest with you, he hasn't not impressed me, but he hasn't been the one that's impressed me the most when I've watched Wickham play against us. It's been sort of other players. Um, Samuel in particular was one player that every time I've seen him, he's been quite good. And I think Freeman also is another player. But um, you watch them on a weekly basis much more than I do. Um, aside from Akin Fenwer, which are the players that really need singling out for you know a great first half of the season and, and maybe even longer? Uh, Darius Charles, the centre-back, he scored the winner against Sunderland. And I'm not just saying that because of that. He's been our best player this season by by a long way. And that's a really difficult thing to say because I said earlier on in this interview that this is the team spirit that's really yeah. the star of the show here, that they all pull together as one. But Darius Charles, um, personally, his story is phenomenal. You know, he got signed off by a surgeon uh, in November 2018 saying he can't play football anymore, that's it. He's got an arthritic hip. Um, he didn't play another game that season, went into depression, got released by Wickham, um, started to look into the next stages of his life, wanted to become a physical trainer, um, continued to train at Wickham because that's the sort of club it is. Um, they didn't want to cast him out. They, ca- they kept him in within the group while he went through his, uh, his qualifications. And because at the start of pre-season, Wickham literally had nothing, no money at all. This is before our potential investment came in. Um, he was in the building and they needed bodies for, for pre-season games and he, he played a few of them, um, by which point he'd become a vegan. He'd completely changed his way of life. His body shape had begun to change. He was lighter, he was stronger and he had a really good impact in pre-season and then he got offered a short-term deal 
which expires at the end of January. He can't train. He's like the lower league Ledley King. Um, <laughs> and he, when he plays in defence, he's just a calm head and a leader back there that's really been instrumental in Wickham's defensive record this season. It's phenomenal. And hearing him speak about the game and about life, and I think he has such a huge impact on the, the players around him. And a lot of the fans as well are sort of buying into, into his, his attitude. And he, to me, is the standout performer of the season so far. The biggest problem we have, in, and this was exacerbated over Christmas, is he can't play sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. That's, that's not physically possible for him now. And he's so integral that as the season wears on, you think, well, if he's not there, you know, if, if, he, if he misses more games than he plays, then I would worry about Wickham. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's, he, to me, is the guy that really embodies the spirit of Wickham and... The personal story behind it, I mean, I don't care. Football's tribal, I, I get that. And we all love our clubs and all the other things. But I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine a football fan in this country supporting any team who would read about his story and get to know his story and, and not fail to be impressed by him. He's just been phenomenal. And, you know, I've probably set him up for a massive fall on Saturday now. I hope he does well on Saturday if he plays. But, um, yeah, he's been brilliant for us. And the rocks, really, that's, that, that they built the team around. And Akin Femme, of course, Everyone loves to talk about him. He's like a superstar in the lower league. He's never played above League <laughs> One, but he's like probably one of the most recognisable footballers, you know, in the world almost. Yeah, um, I think it's his but size. But everyone wants to talk about him, <laughs> and that's great because they get distracted, and it allows the likes of Samuel and Freeman, the other players that you've spoken about, a few little gaps for them to run into. Yeah, and just do what they do. Talking about um, Darius Child, it's funny because. Um, he did the interview after the game and I think he said something about this is our home and I think our fans didn't react to that too well because I don't think, to be honest with you, and I really hope it doesn't come across, many Sunderland fans do treat any other clubs with disdain. I think we're too big for this league. We think we can be and we should be able to get out of it. But it was funny, I kind of researched who he was based on the fact that his, probably his, his after-match comments kind of annoyed me and there was a really good article by, I think it was I think it was Adam Bate, I could be wrong, or, or Ash, uh, at Ghost Goal, I think, and he did an interview with him about um, about how he was told he had to quit and what you were just saying there, um, and it did give a bit more of a human side to him. And I mean, obviously, like you said before, football is very tribal. There'll be a lot of fans that probably remember his comments and and weren't too pleased with it. But it is actually a really really good story to see where he's come from. Um, I hope he has a terrible game on Saturday. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm still tribal in that sense, but it is a really good story, and it's it's on Sky Sports, I think. Um, I do remember reading it in about. November time but I think it went out just before the game that they played against us but um, but yeah no I mean I think if you have a centre half uh, that you can I, I almost find if your centre half is solid and you know exactly you know the way he's going to play and you know he's consistent I think it's always the best way to build a team I've always found that if we have a good centre half pairing or a good centre half uh, our team tends to progress um, and they go back to the Allardyce days and the, the Reed days. We had good, two good centre-offs and you can just rely, if you know that your defence is going to be solid, you kind of feel like the rest of the teams are right, don't you? Exactly that. If you've got a solid foundation and the rest of your team know all they really need to do is nick a goal and then you, you're confident you're then going to get something out of a game and I think that, that for fans as well is hugely reassuring. Um, if you ship two, three goals a game, it's going to be really, really tough. It's an obvious thing to say, but yeah, Charles and Stewart at the back for Wickham, they've been, you know, solid, you know, right foot, left foot at the back. It's a, it's a simple combination, um, but it's a winning combination and it's just a combination that we just didn't think was going to be possible because 
you know, when Darius Charles has been given a contract, it's like, well, we must be in real problems here. This guy's been signed <laughs> off by a medical professional. Yet, you know, this is the sort of player we're, we're bringing in. This is this is what some fans were thinking in July and August. And uh, he's just proven everybody wrong. And it's just been wonderful to watch. It's just a great human story. This sort of elevates football almost. Yeah, and, and it is. It is. Football is sometimes about the teams, but it's sometimes nice to read the, the individual stories of like winning through in football, isn't it? Um, I think a lot of people really appreciate those kind of stories. Um, talking about Sunderland, we're probably a, a bit of a different beast compared to what, what Wickham have been. We've been anything but a success story this season. Um, it's It's been really poor, actually. Um, and I think I always feel like we're one result away from absolute crisis, um, which means by the time this goes out, people will probably think that I'm being a bit negative. But then if we lose on Saturday, people will probably agree with everything I say. Um, it can feel like that with Sunderland, that we're in a, a constant crisis. But what are your thoughts on Sunderland's season so far? And do, do you think we're maybe starting to turn a corner after the past few good results? Or do you think that's just maybe just a couple of good results on the trot? Yeah, I've always thought that, you know, once you made the managerial change, you, you needed a window just to kind of get get rid of some of the toxic people in your dressing room because mm-hmm. having watched Sunderland play a couple of times this season it was clear to me this was a, a squad that was getting nowhere near where it should be in terms of performance yeah. and, and getting the, the most out of it of, of its sort of more talented players and there was there was clearly something like personally wrong inside the dressing room that was quite obvious thing to be able to see even from the outside um, so I've always thought that the second half of the season would be the time that Sunderland would, would come good um, and you know, if that's under Parkinson or, or whoever, um, you know, I would say, yeah, they they are one. Of, even now, they're one of the teams I look at and think, well, they they're surely going to have to be up there at the end of the season. Um, and perhaps Parkinson started to string the results together now, and you know, this could be the start of of a very good run. The way the league is, it's really really open, and you're in you're in with more than a shout, in my opinion. Um, uh, so you've got off-the-field issues going on as well in terms of ownership, which can't help. Yeah. Um, but surely, you know, I've been to Stadium Alight just the once, and I look at it and think, well, this is a on its day, this is this is clearly like almost as good as a goal head start here. Um, obviously, that can go two ways because when things start to not go well, it can become toxic. It can. Um, but I think you know that Sunderland to me, I I would imagine they're going to get in the playoffs this season at the least. Um, because no one's really grabbed the league by the scruff of the neck and run with it. Um, it's tight, it's compact, it's an odd league because of what happened to Berry. Um, it's disjointed, and it, all it needs now is someone just to go, yeah, this is ours, and, and make a run for it. And, and why can't that be Sunderland? He's still got great players. Um, you know, we love Luke 09, um, and a bit like what I said earlier on about Martin O'Neill and Gareth Ainsworth, we still look at Luke as one of our own. Um, and we still love to see him doing well. I hope he doesn't score on Saturday. <laughs> um, it, it's always great to see him. And, you know, I look at him and I think, actually, he's the sort of character that Sunderland really, really needs to build their team around. Regardless oh, of what he's like as a footballer, he's just a wonderful, infectious human being who you, you want to be with and you want to see do well. And I think he's really connected with you guys as fans as well. He really um, has. If you yeah. get a few more like him, you'll be onto something. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny. My ne- my next question was which I've got here wrote down which Sunderland players concern you, Phil. In brackets, mention Luke O'Neill. Um, so we'll just go straight <laughs> into Luke O'Neill instead. And you're absolutely right in what you're saying. He didn't have the the best of starts here in the first sort of three months, but 
Um, I, I know there's some people that think he is an average League One footballer. I'm very much not of that opinion. I'm a, I'm a vigorous defender of Luke O'Neill, but I would say there's a really good bulk of people that just love Luke O'Neill. And the thing with Luke is, he's never played his position on a consistent basis or any position on a consistent basis. He's he's basically been our right back, our right wing back, our right midfielder, our number ten, and he could probably play in goal if he wanted to. But you know what? He never complains in his attitude. The one thing I could say about Luke O'Neill is that. Even the people that think he's quite an average footballer absolutely do not criticise his personality and he's exactly what you want at Sunderland Football Club. But I spoke to a Wickham fan for the last extra that we did um, and he echoed the exact sentiments. It's almost like he's gone from Wickham, 9,000 fans to Sunderland, occasionally 45, and he's got the same attitude. He just loves football, doesn't he? Yeah, he's 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 a he's a fantastic character, you know, and just to say what he said about different positions. If you asked him to clean the coach after an away day, he'd have to clean his coach in the football league. That's how he <laughs> is. And he, he wouldn't complain about what you know what his role is or saying that actually I want to be playing here. He's just happy to be involved. And you know, and again, he's super ambitious and his work rate is just insane. I think that's why the main reason I think he had a slow start at Sunderland was I think he was probably trying too hard. He what? Yeah, think, he, he um, ran about I think everywhere. Ross had to yeah. sit him down and, and have a chat with him and say, "Look, mate, just chill out a bit." It's going to be okay, and um, and there he is. But he's very happy at Sunderland. Uh, when I've spoken to him, you know, he's, I think the first time I saw him after he moved to Sunderland, he, he kind of ran up to me. So I got a swimming pool and a training ground, and I live there. It's fantastic. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and you know, that kind of sums him up really. He just trains and trains and trains and trains. And and you know what he lacks in technical ability, maybe against some of your better players, he, he makes up within heart. And you know, yeah. he's the player I fear the most coming into Saturday because um, he's such a competitor. It won't bother him that it's Wickham. That sentiment will not come into it at all. He'll just want to do what's best for him and his team. And and uh, we respect that 100%. And, and I really hope he has a stinker on Saturday. Um, but, you know, he hasn't he hasn't done anything against Wickham as yet, which leads me to believe that this uh, law of averages, he's probably going to do something. <laughs> I don't know whether you saw it, but we, we beat Doncaster on the, the 29th of December over the Christmas period. And it was funny, he, he got like he got fouled, but it wasn't really a bad tackle. And he rolled about 10 times on the floor. And then Chris Maguire started continuing to roll him. And it was kind of, it was funny how it happened because it was so obvious. It was funny, almost everyone straight away went, I bet he's learning that at Wickham. So he's still got, as great as a lad he is, he's got a bit of shithousery about him. I, I, we like that here, I'll be honest with you, we like that. You're very welcome, guys. You're very welcome. <laughs> it's interesting how you guys can laugh about it when there's a Sunderland player doing it. Oh, yeah, of course. You won't be laughing on Saturday when someone does it to you, I can guarantee you. <laughs> oh, but one thing we can agree on is, is Luke is, yeah, he's, he's in terms of just a character, he's one of my, and I think a lot of people's favourite players over the past few years because I think for a long time all that we really wanted, and obviously things change and some people prefer ability over character, but... We really want to see someone who just loves Sunderland. And I mean, I've spoken to uh, sort of Kevin Ball and a few people that have been sort of in the club. And, and sometimes it's a case of Luke O'Neill has to be told to go home, not to kind of 
his work his work ethic's just ridiculous. Apparently, he just finishes training and then just for two three hours, and people are leaving, and they're just like, "Luke, you need to go home." And he's like, "All right, all right." My only concern with Luke O'Nine is I think it's the only person I could lose my girlfriend to. So I hope he continues to be with his wonderful girlfriend that he seems to have, and uh, doesn't uh, have his eyes set on going to anyone else. Because <laughs> I think my girlfriend <laughs> might might be quite interested, if not, which would be a bit of a loss if I'm honest with you. Luke is such a nice man. I can't imagine he would ever break your heart, mate. In that no. sense, but. You know, he's the same at Wickham. He, he was having to be told to go home at the end of the sessions. And, and yeah, I know what you mean. Fans fans pay the money to see Aidan McGeady, you know, do yeah, the wonderful things that he can do. That's that's what puts bums on seats. But you need a combination of characters and abilities and, and, and whatever in a football team. And Luke 09 is the heavy lifter. He's the water carrier, but he can play a bit as well. He's got some great goals for Wickham Wanderers, but... It's those sorts of characters you need in a dressing room to kind of get the rest of them going, really. And, yeah, I think he's a cornerstone of your team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'd agree. It'd be nice to see him on Saturday after the game, not before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I guess just to finish off then, I don't know whether you're a man for predictions. I've I've coined this as my final question with everyone and, and uh, Joanna last week didn't want to put a, didn't want to put a score on it, but then did. But are you a predictions man? Yeah, of course, you know. I Good. mean, they come back to bite you sometimes, but, you know, Every it's pretty boring if we all said, oh, no, I can't do that. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll have a prediction, go on. Go on then, go for it. Score and scorers. Uh, it's going to be 1-1. One, one. I think Oz Turk from the back for you guys, and I'm going to say Paul Smith for Wickham. For, uh, for Yeah, he's going to get a goal, I think. So, 1-1 one, one as well. I think the, uh, the long run of unbeaten games against Sunderland will continue. It's funny, I'm going to take exactly the same. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I was thinking that beforehand. Um, I'll go with your your same decision. I'll say Paul Smith because he scored against us last year for Accrington. Um, but I'm going to have to go for Luke 9 for us. I'm going to have to go for Luke 9 unfortunately. Maybe a, maybe a diving header because he's had a few of them this season. And uh, I do like to see him like leaping like a salmon because um, it is quite funny. But um, Phil, thanks very much for coming on. That was superb. Um, I hope you have a safe journey down. I don't hope you enjoy the 90 minutes in between. That's just the way it is. Um, but enjoy your journey down. Enjoy um, our wonderful city. And um, good luck for the rest of the season, mate. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Anytime. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 